This is the Chicken Yogi Show, hosted by the Chicken Yogi, Kit Kilstow. Kit creates neurodivergent and chronic illness liberation through a devotion to radical free-range wellness. Look for wellness as unique as you are and find your own path with the Chicken Yogi way. Learn more and receive a free gift when you subscribe to their newsletter at chickenyogi.com. And now, today's show. Welcome to this week's episode of the Chicken Yogi Show. I'm Kit Kalestow, your host. And this week, I want to talk about rekindling yoga's power of liberation. I've just completed the spring semester for my college degree. Um, One of my majors is religious studies. And I just completed a class that was all about yoga and meditation. And rather than focusing on yoga and meditation, as it's seen currently, especially through a Western lens, what this class really did was this class looked at yoga historically. So it looked at very early yoga and then Pantajali who created the eight limbed path of yoga, which is what is commonly taught in most yoga teacher trainings. Although that early path was aimed at coming to a place of liberation. And the liberation it was looking for was a liberation from the the physical and emotional demands of our existence, as well as becoming basically one with spirit or with the universe. The goal was a complete sense of focus, a complete ability to focus, to transcend our physical existence and become one with the universe. After that, yoga underwent a transformation um, in the Middle Ages. And then we started talking about tantric yoga, from which you may have heard of kundalini yoga that came from tantric yoga. And along with that came the hatha yoga from which our modern yoga developed. At that point, yoga began focusing almost exclusively on the asanas or the postures. And the asanas or the yoga postures that you're familiar with today are only one of the eight limbs of yoga. Those postures then became the focus for modern yoga. And in the 20th and now the 21st centuries, yoga very much has become focused on the body. It's a way to get fit. In a way, you can think of the liberation as moving from a liberation of spirit to a liberation from death, disease, infirmary. That has also brought a very Western and very colonial lens to yoga. And even though people are now talking about yoga as something that's much more than a way to get fit, there's more of a focus on accessible yoga, there are also basically a Western capitalist lens put on yoga. The major yoga organization here in the U.S., while they're starting to talk about yoga for diversity and yoga across marginalized groups and bringing yoga to marginalized groups, it's still done very much through the lens of you teach classes, you find students, you make money. And we're in places where they feel that you can't make money, 
which basically is what they they believe the marginalized groups are, then they'll do foundational work or philanthropic work along those lines. But a lot of it is done through basically the Western cultural lens of yoga for fitness and for health. And if you Google yoga for any medical condition, there are scads of videos on YouTube, websites, people trying to sell you yoga as a cure for things. So again, the liberation focus has moved from a spiritual liberation to a physical liberation from death and disease. That, however, is very ableist. It's a lens that says that if you do the right things, you won't get sick. That's a very Western viewpoint. It also tends to tie into the health industrial complex, the wellness industrial complex's belief of mind, body, spirit all being separate. And I've talked about that before where there really is not a connection between your mind and body and spirit. And even in places such as mindfulness-based stress reduction, mindfulness-based CBT therapy, where you are looking at bringing the mind and the body more into union, it is still done through that lens of physical health. One of the goals of mindfulness-based stress reduction, which, let me be fully honest, is something that I want to learn more about and I want to incorporate into my personal practice because mindfulness helps me, but it's done so because it can help improve physical outcomes for very sick individuals, reduce chronic pain from individuals. There's very little of the spiritual connection. And so when I think about rekindling yoga's power of liberation, I am thinking about it not in terms of a savior complex, because the way that yoga is currently being presented to marginalized groups, to, to individuals who have mental illness or who are neurodivergent, and that neurodivergent umbrella is huge. So many, many conditions, maybe late, many labels, Many things go in under that neurodivergent umbrella, just like it would for when you talk about mental health or even physical health, chronic illness. All of the people, or most of the people, I should say, bringing yoga to those conditions or to those people is doing so from a point of savior. I don't have this, or I had this and I overcame it, therefore you can too. That's not liberation. That's prescription. And a prescription gets us right back into the health industrial complex. When I talk about reviving yoga's essence of liberation or rekindling yoga's power of liberation, when I talk about that, what I want to do is see a union because yoga, the original Sanskrit means union. I want to see that union of liberation with our true authentic selves. Therefore, I am looking as a disabled neurodivergent individual who has been diagnosed with mental health conditions, major depression, generalized anxiety, complex post-traumatic stress disorder. I am looking at this liberation through a lens of disability liberation, 
neurodivergent liberation and mad liberation. And I'll be honest, I am just scratching the surface and I am currently reaching out and hoping to talk to more people to discuss th those very topics in more detail on this podcast. What I can cover here today for you is just, again, scratching the surface, hopefully inviting you to look deeper into bringing these thoughts and the ideologies of liberation back into your practice. And again, in our Western world of separating things, yoga, meditation, mindfulness. Meditation and mindfulness actually is part they're both parts of the Pantanjali's eight limbs of yoga. Meditation and mindfulness, yoga postures, you see them in Buddhism, you see them in Taoism. They're not separate entities, and it's very possible to be very mindful while you're doing yoga. That's a great way to connect with your body, to be in the moment. And in fact, the prescription of MBSR, mindfulness-based stress reduction, actually uses yoga postures as well. So when I'm talking about yoga here, I want to make it very clear that this yoga umbrella encompasses mindfulness and meditation and how all of it can bring us to liberation. And specifically for individuals who identify as neurodivergent, for individuals who identify as disabled, for individuals who identify as chronically ill, as mad, instead of adding further divisions and coming to those through a mindset of labels. And I, you know, I'm thinking about chronic illness liberation here. There are huge walls between, for example, the fibromyalgia community and the ME-CFS community and the Ehlers-Danlor syndrome or EDS community. And a lot of people have overlapping conditions. There's a website out there called Otwist. I believe it's just otwist.com. I'll drop a link in the show notes that's doing some wonderful work around the co-occurrence of like example fibromyalgia and Ehlers-Danlers. But we spend so much time advocating for our particular label. And I see this in the neurodivergent community as well. We see this advocating for autism versus ADHD and is one better than the other and so on and so forth that we forget, first of all, that all of it needs support. All of it needs to feel comfortable in your own body, in your own skin, in your own mind. And all of it needs to be viewed through this lens of liberation. We can argue until the sun goes down about the social versus the medical model of disability. And whether, for example, if neurodivergence is seen as something, as a society becomes more acceptable, which is a good thing. I certainly want to stress that we need more acceptance of neurodivergence, but that is also not going to firmly eliminate the fact that for many people, it can still be a disabling condition. So arguments like that 
all they serve to do is keep us mired in those paradigms and keep us mired in that Western thought of division rather than the thought of unity. And so I believe that the essence of liberation, the power of liberation that yoga, meditation, mindfulness has, that it can really help us with our disability liberation. Because disability liberation, all disabled people are whole individuals that have value, that deserve equality at the table, the same rights, the same responsibilities, the same belief about their lived experience, that they are valid, that they are not lesser than. And I look at my liberation or I look at liberation in general through more of a liberation theology lens. I am a spiritual person. I don't adhere to any organized religion, but I'm a spiritual individual. And I think that we can look at a spiritual discourse that really unites the critical analysis of all the socioeconomic dimensions of disability and how our socioeconomic conditions affect disabled individuals and myself being disabled with an appreciation and understanding for those lived experiences of disabled people. So to me, disability liberation involves all of that, disability rights, disability justice. And I argue and believe that it should be a collective liberation. I have not talked about the people of color and marginalized communities of color who have who are working towards liberation, just like disabled individuals, neurodivergent individuals. I am a white person. I do not feel that I should be speaking on that because I have no lived experience about that. And I will drop some links in the comments and strongly encourage you to seek out voices from black individuals, from individuals who are from other countries who are, you know, brown, who are Asian American Pacific Islanders, who are Hispanic, who identify across all of that, people who are members of the African diaspora, I ask that you really listen to those voices when we talk about racial and ethnic liberation and lifting up our people of color, because I think that they would be better served to speak on that than I am. And so I just want to kind of really kind of, you know, add that sidebar that I am speaking about disability liberation, mad liberation, neurodivergent liberation, because that's something with which I have lived experience. And I do not want to speak over voices of people who have lived experience of being colonized, of being a racial minority. So I'm going to drop some links in the comments to the show notes and hope you check those out. So what is neurodivergent liberation? Well, Building upon the definition of disability liberation, it's that, you know, first of all, believe that neurodivergent people, we're people. We are whole people. We are complete people. We are not disordered just because our brain operates in a different way. And so I think that that 
is something to think about, especially when we talk about psychiatric things, which are certainly a part of mad liberation and understanding that just because somebody is depressed, just because somebody has anxiety, just because somebody is schizophrenic, they are not ill. They need supports and our society is absolutely awful about providing supports to disabled people, to neurodivergent people, to people who they deem have a mental illness. And I think that it's something that we need to look at just as neurodivergent people, their brains do not, are not disordered. They're not abnormal as my abnormal psychology textbook would have told me. Same thing too with people who identify as mad. The fact is there is a lot that we don't know about the human brain a lot of the ways that the human brain works actually has evolutionary benefits to us. And just because the way that those brains work don't fit into our modern society doesn't mean that it's wrong. If anything, I would say that it means that the society is wrong. There's the mem you see online, if a flower blooms, or I'm sorry, if a flower doesn't bloom where it's planted, you don't consider the flower a failure. You look at where it's planted, you look at the conditions, how can you alter where it's growing? Again, how can we alter our society to make sure everybody blooms where they are planted? So what does that mean for yoga liberation? Well, first off, I'm not going to tell you that doing yoga, meditation, or mindfulness will cure any of this because I don't believe that any of this needs curing. And by this, I mean disability, neurodivergence, or being mad. What I will say is that what yoga and mindfulness help me with and what I believe that it helps other people with is the, it helps me be at home in my body. It helps me understand my body and understand my brain. And that understanding helps bring me closer to personal liberation, removing my internalized ableism, removing my internalized sanism, removing those negative stories that I have been told throughout my life. Because at the time that I was a child, Nobody knew or nobody would say out loud that I was neurodivergent and likewise many members of my family. So what yoga and mindfulness and meditation does is it helps me go within and it quiets the capitalist Western negative voices that are in my mind and helps me actually be my authentic self. And when we are our authentic self, oh, I, that sounded bad. When we become our authentic self, that's better. When we become our authentic selves, we live fuller lives. We live more robust lives. And yes, we live more liberated lives. So that's where I'm going to leave it here. I encourage you to think about bringing that liberation into your own life. And I encourage you to rethink how you're thinking about yoga and meditation and mindfulness, because a lot of the people I speak to about it, and especially when it comes to meditation and mindfulness, think that they can't do it or their brains aren't wired for it. And 
what I want to encourage you to think about is that maybe you were being taught yoga and meditation wrong because you were being taught yoga or meditation through a Western lens. Maybe you were being taught yoga and meditation through a capitalist lens. And most of the people who do that, to be honest, don't even know that they're doing it. Um, I recently blogged on my autistic yoga teacher blog about the stories that yoga teachers tell. And I guarantee you that if I brought this issue up with the yoga association that hosted the event and the three very seasoned yoga teachers who told those stories, they would be appalled. I would hope that they would be appalled that the stories that they told created an unsafe environment. But because they are looking at things through a lens of ableism, through a lens of sanism, they did not real that they had no idea that the stories that they were telling were hurtful. And so again, if we start to look at liberation as being a removal of the isms in our life, then I think yoga and meditation and mindfulness have a lot to offer. And again, I encourage you to check out those links. I'm going to drop in the show notes and I hope to see you and hear you next week. If you have any thoughts about this episode, feel free to drop to the website, podcast.chickenyogi.org. I'm sorry, podcast.chickenyogi.com and reach out and let me know what you think. I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Chicken Yogi Show, hosted by The Chicken Yogi, Kit Kilstow. Kit's passion is creating neurodivergent and chronic illness liberation through a devotion to radical free-range wellness. We're not one-size-fits-all people, so why should your wellness be designed for everyone? Learn more at chickenyogi.com and subscribe to the newsletter while you're there for a free gift. Please follow the podcast at podcast.chickenyogi.com. Subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. Music is Running with the Horses by Purple Planet Music. Their website is purple-planet.com. This show is copyright 2023. All rights reserved by Kit Kalestow and Chicken Yogi. Thank you for listening.